Welcome if it's your first time here. My name is John, I'm the lead pastor. Appreciate you guys coming on out. I uh, hope you enjoyed your time off last week for the 4th of July. I know we did, and our staff did, and our volunteers did. I hope you had a great 4th. I hope nobody, you know, lost a digit from a firework, right? And those dog owners out there, I hope your dogs are okay. My dog made it through, but it was a rough night for him. But he, we're here today to talk about it. Anyway, so we are kicking off this brand new series that we are calling More Like You. And I am very, very excited about this series because we are devoting an entire summer to life change, which is, I, I just think it's something that we as a church are ready to sort of experience. We've been working towards that this year, going deeper in our spiritual lives, and, and so I'm excited about this. Now, when we think about Christianity, if you're a Christian in the room, um, when we think about the Christian faith, I think many times we kind of think about it in terms of where we go when we die, I mean, if we're being honest. It's, it's Jesus came to this earth to die for our sins, if you accept him. As your Lord and Savior, then when you die, you go to heaven. This is sort of how we think about it. And that is true, and that is a massive, hugely important component of our faith. However, it is not the entire reason that Jesus came to this earth. One of the, the biggest things that he wants to accomplish in us is life change. Scripture is very clear that when you say yes to Jesus, you get a fresh start. The slate is wiped clean, so to speak. All of your failures, your mistakes, your sins, your regrets, they are canceled because of what Christ did on that cross and in that grave. Scripture says that God has separated your sin uh, uh, from you as far as the east is from the west. He says that when he forgives you, God never thinks about your sin again, which is incredible. That means you are brand new because of Jesus. Paul said it like this, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life, gone, and a new life has begun. And this is where the magic really begins to happen. In your new life with Christ, God's goal, if you will, is to shape you and to mold you, to make you more like Jesus. To sort of sand off the rough edges we all have, kind of root out some of those old behaviors we wish we could get rid of, and to change into the person that he wants you to be. And I think the person that you wish you could be. Now the evidence of this life change that we, we experience is known as the fruit of the Spirit. Another way to kind of think about this phrase would be to think of it as the evidence of, of the Spirit. It's the outward and the inward evidence that God's Spirit is not just in you, but is working in you and, and is changing you. And as he does that, and as life change happens, it produces this fruit. Now, what are the fruits of the Spirit? Paul describes them specifically. Galatians 5.22, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And by the end of the summer, you will have this memorized. The best way to think about the fruit of the Spirit is to think of them as the qualities of of Christ. When Jesus walked this earth, these are the qualities that he exemplified. These are the qualities that he personified even. And now in our new life with Christ, if you've said yes to Jesus, what God is looking to do is to grow these fruits in you. Now, we probably have some of these qualities. One of my friends before said, I got none of those qualities. That's fine, okay? That's that's not a big deal. We can work with that. That's why we're doing this. This is why life change needs to happen. And so the big question is, all right, well, how do we get these character qualities? 
the most important thing to remember is that it is only God who can produce the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. But if you've been a Christian for some time, you know that he doesn't just sort of zap us one day and all these qualities just instantaneously materialize. He uses a process. And that's what I want to look at today. I want to examine the process that God uses to grow the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. So when it comes to life change, if you will, it's important to know that life change is a partnership, okay? God has a part in life change, and we have a part in life change. There's this partnership that goes on. Paul speaks about it in Philippians 2 when he says this. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's an old-fashioned way of saying with reverence, for it is God who works in you. So Paul says, I want you to work out your salvation, and then he immediately says, and it is God that works in you, all right? So which is it, Paul? Who's, who's doing the work here, me or God? Because it sounds like a contradiction. It's not. It's what's known as a paradox. A paradox is a truth that sounds wrong, but it's right. Someone once described a paradox as a truth that stands on its head to just get your attention. Now, the key to understanding this little paradox is this phrase, to work out. Notice Paul doesn't say to work for your salvation. That's a massive difference. To work for something means to earn it, to deserve it, or to merit it. Scripture clearly teaches that salvation is not something that you can work for or earn. Salvation is a free gift from God. Now Paul says to work out. Now when he uses this word to work out, what he, he really is trying to say is more like to cultivate, okay? To grow, to make the most of, of what you've been given. When you think about a physical workout, like exercise, uh, you, you, know, you can run, uh, you can lift weights to develop and tone the muscles that God has given you. Similarly, Paul is saying, it is our job to cultivate our spiritual life, to do our part, to train and cultivate and grow our spiritual life. So that's, that's our part. At the same time, Paul says, for it is God who works in you, meaning his spirit is inside of you giving you the power to do what you need to do. So God is a part in our spiritual growth, and we have a part in our spiritual growth. God provides the power. We have to utilize the power that God gives. So now that we've established that there's a partnership that exists in life change, I want to begin by examining God's part in this process. I want to look at some of the tools that God uses to change our lives and to sort of cultivate, sort of to grow the, the fruits of the Spirit in us. Now, the first tool that God uses to change us and to grow the fruits of the Spirit is the Bible. <clears throat> so here's a great question. Other than what I put on the screen here on Sunday, okay? Now, don't raise your hand or say it out loud, just in your own mind. Other than what I put on the screen on Sundays, when was the last time that you actually sat down and read the Bible? This morning? Maybe it was last week? Do you even remember? Okay, Paul... Paul teaches us that the whole Bible, now when he says whole, what he really means is the whole Bible. The whole Bible was given to us by inspiration from God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It straightens us out and helps us do what is right. Now, watch this. It is God's way of making us well-prepared at every point. The whole Bible, Paul says, even the parts you don't like, even the parts you think are dated, 
the parts that you try to do, you know, spiritual gymnastics to avoid. The whole Bible, Paul says, is inspired by God. And it is there to help you learn the truth. It is there to help you realize when you're doing something wrong or about to make an unwise decision. And it is God's way of preparing you for life at every point. So I'll just say this, all right? If you are serious about changing your life, you seriously must read the Bible. There's just no way around this. You got to read it. You got you to study it. You got to memorize it. You have to meditate on it. And most importantly, you got to apply it, okay? And one of the biggest problems that I see in modern America, particularly within the church, is that there are many people who have strong biblical opinions, but very little biblical knowledge. We, we, we think the Bible says that. You know, somebody told me that the Bible says that, and yet we've never actually read it ourselves. And because of that, I, I think we struggle with some weak faith at times. We're not experiencing the kind of life change that we thought we'd see as a Christian. We're, we're not experiencing the production of fruit that, that we'd like to see in our lives because we have disconnected ourselves from the power source. One of the primary ways that God produces fruit in our lives is through the Bible. So, find a way to read the Bible. I'm not saying you've got to read it every day, okay? But figure out a way to plug into his word regularly in, in a way that works for you. Now, if you can't afford a Bible, come find me. We have Bibles we can give you that have been donated for this very reason. Just ask. Um, if you want to buy your own Bible, great. I would encourage you to buy an NIV version or an NLT version. Don't get a King James version. You might make like your, your grandparents might tell you that's the only one. You could have them email me. Don't get it. You're not going to understand it. You don't speak like Shakespeare. It's not a problem. Get like one that we speak, all right? Now, you can read it online for free. BibleGateway.com, I think it is. Whatever, okay, fine. Now, if you want to supplement your Bible reading, I would challenge you to pick up a devotional that you might like. I recommend Jesus Calling. This is a great one. It's what I personally use. There's a book. There's an app. Um, now, this or any other devotion does not replace reading the Bible. It is an addition to. It supplements it. The bottom line, get into God's Word. Do you know what Muslims call Jewish people? and Christians, people of the book. They understand how important our scriptures are. Do we? Now, the second tool that God uses to change us and, and to produce the fruit of the Spirit is the Holy Spirit. When you say yes to Jesus, when you commit your life to him, scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit comes into our lives and takes up residence in our heart. And Paul says that you are controlled by your new nature if you have the Holy Spirit, or sorry, me, the Spirit of God living in you. He's saying, Christians, guys, folks, you don't have to any longer be controlled by your old sinful nature. You've been given a new life. There's a new power that lives inside of you. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide our lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. The Holy Spirit comes into our lives to empower us, to direct us, and to help us do what's right. Why? Well, because God's number one purpose in your life is to make you look more like Jesus. The Holy Spirit will use the Word of God to make the child of God more like the Son of God. Now I'm preaching, all right? 
And what did Jesus look like? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The nine fruits of the Spirit. So God changes us and produces fruit in our lives through his word, through his spirit. Lastly, God uses circumstances. Now, God's ideal way of changing us is to have us read the Bible, to find out how to live, and then to depend on the Holy Spirit to help us live out those commands. Now, unfortunately, some of us, most of us, are stubborn. And we don't change that easily. And so God has to use what we call in the theological community as a two-by-four, otherwise known as circumstances. These would be problems or pressures or storms or heartaches, or difficulties, or stresses to get our attention. C.S. Lewis famously said, God whispers to us in our pleasure, but he shouts to us in our pain. Right now, some of you might be in the midst of this life change process. You got some storm, some problem, some pressure that is coming down on you, and God can use it. Now, here's something interesting about these circumstances we might have in our lives. The source of those circumstances makes no difference to God. See, often we bring problems on ourselves by unwise choices, bad judgments, or sin. Other times, problems are caused in our life by other people. Maybe you've been on the receiving end of some injustice. Sometimes, Satan does things to us as he did to Job in the Old Testament. But God says the source of your circumstances is irrelevant to him. He can use it all for good in our lives. Paul says it like this. To those who love God, who are called according to his plan, everything, and when he says everything, he means everything, everything that happens fits into a pattern for good. Which means no matter what happens in your life, God will filter those events and those circumstances through his plan hands to make them fit into his great plan for your life, which is to make you look more like Jesus. So with that being said, no matter what you are going through right now, just know that there is no circumstance from which you cannot learn if you have the right attitude. And that's the hard part. Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, according to Scripture, said this, Sometimes it takes a painful experience to make us change our ways. <sighs> Perhaps some of you experience the truth of this verse. For example, Scripture says that as followers of Christ, we should be humble. Okay, That's what we're called to be, humble. And the Holy Spirit that dwells inside of you can enable us to be humble. However, if we choose to ignore the promptings of that Holy Spirit and humble ourselves, God brings out the old two-by-four and will use a circumstance to humble you. So God uses the Bible, God uses the Holy Spirit, and God uses circumstances in our lives to grow us and to produce the fruit of the Spirit. That's his part. So what's our part? Remember, it's a partnership. Well, first, we must choose our thoughts. Spiritual growth and life change is not automatic. Change is actually a matter of choice, okay? We cannot passively sit around thinking that God is going to zap us 
and change us and make us different. There are choices that we must make. And the first choice is choosing what we will think about. Solomon says, be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. That's scary. Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. That's also very encouraging. See, the Bible teaches us that the way that we think determines the way that we feel, and the way that we feel determines the way that we act. And so if you're looking to change your actions, and I know a lot of you are, you've got to go back to the source, your thoughts, and you've got to change them. For example, maybe you are somebody that acts resentful. Okay, you act resentful. Why? Well, because you feel resentful. Do you know why you feel resentful? You might say, well, this person did this to me, and this person did that, blah, 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 blah. According to scripture, that person didn't make you feel resentful. You feel resentful because you are thinking resentful thoughts. Same goes for anger. Same goes for worry. Same goes for any other kind of destructive thought pattern in our lives. Scripture is clear. Science backs it up. And whenever they're saying the same thing, man, you've got to listen. When you are feeling one way, those feelings have, whether you realize it or not, been determined by a thought. Now, what tends to happen is we try to change our feelings, don't we? I'm, I'm going to be happy if it kills me. Oh, good luck with that, okay? That only adds tension and stress to your life, and nothing really changes long term. Instead, we got to focus on changing our thoughts. Paul says, do not conform yourselves to the standards of this world, but let God transform you inwardly by a complete change of your mind. Paul is saying, if you want to experience life change, and I know you do, if you want to look different from the rest of the world, and I know you do, and if you want to feel different from the rest of the world, and I know you do, then you've got to let God transform your mind and your thoughts. Scripture's clear in telling us what to think about. Paul suggests, listen, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Does this sound like your thought life? See, when it comes to our thoughts, we actually do have a choice in the matter. And when we choose to listen to God and cooperate with his plan for our thoughts, you will be set free. Your mind will change. Your thoughts will change. And you'll be transformed. You'll find that those old habits those old feelings, those old actions, they will just begin falling away in your life. The starting point for your part in life change is your thought life. Second thing we gotta do is we gotta depend on his spirit. We've already established that if you're a Christian, God puts his spirit into you to give you his power. Every single Christian has God's spirit living in their lives. But I would argue that not every Christian has tapped into God's power in their lives. Jesus gives a great illustration in John 15. Jesus says, I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me, and we're going to talk about that in a second, he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. There it is. For without me, you can do nothing. According to this illustration, the branch is totally dependent upon that main vine. 
It cannot produce fruit by itself, meaning a Christian cannot produce the fruit on their own. A little patience here, a little goodness there. It can't be done. It is a fruit of the Spirit, a work of God. Now, notice Jesus says, anyone who abides in me will bear fruit. Now, you might be wondering, well, okay, how do I know whether I'm abiding in Christ? Great question. How do I know if I am hooked into that vine? I mean, how do I know that I am depending on God's Spirit in my life? It's very simple. Look at your prayer life. Because your prayers demonstrate your dependence on God. So what do you pray about? Because whatever you pray about is what you are hooked into God about. Whatever you pray about is what you are relying on God for, which means conversely, whatever you are not praying about is what you are trying to do on your own. And good luck with that. You see, the secret to dependence on God's Spirit is to be continually praying. Paul would say, pray without ceasing, which means pray about your decisions. Pray about your needs. Pray about your interests. Pray about your schedules and your problems and people you have to meet with, purchases that you need to make or you're thinking about making. Pray about everything. I pray before I get a haircut. I do. I mean, just God bless his hands. Eh? Work a miracle, please. All right? My wife, this is a true story. I confirmed with her because it happened like 15 years ago. She was a teacher. She was back in New Jersey. And one time, I think it was like a fourth grade class, one time she had this student who was just really cute kid, just struggling with this project in the classroom. And it was like, okay. And so she goes up to him and she says, can I help you kind of get this thing moving? And I quote, he began to pray. This was not a Christian school. She's a regular public school. Dear God, please don't let Miss Garippa screw this up. Okay. <laughs> that kid's connected to the vine, all right? Now, when you pray and as you pray, you will begin to see the fruit of the Spirit developing in your life. Lastly, we must respond wisely to the circumstances in our life. In addition to choosing our thoughts, in addition to choosing to depend on God's Spirit, we can also choose how we respond to the circumstances in our lives. The truth is, we cannot control all the circumstances in our lives. I've tried. It doesn't work. See, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't really even know what's going to happen five minutes from now. We just simply cannot control all of our circumstances. However, we can control how we respond to them. And we can control whether our circumstances make us into a bitter person or a better person. Paul says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. Jesus makes us a promise, and I wish he didn't, but he said this, in this life, you will have troubles. That's the nature of living in a fallen world. In this life, you will have troubles. There is going to come a time in every single one of our lives where something bad happens. And in that moment, you might be tempted to say something like, you know, God, you failed me. God, you didn't give me what I wanted. You didn't give me what I deserved. You didn't whatever. And let me tell you something. If that's you, if you're finding yourself in that position, you are on the precipice 
the brink between becoming a bitter person or a better person. Paul says we can rejoice in our problems, not just endure them, because we know that God is going to use them for our benefit. How? It's hard to say exactly. It really is. But here's what I do know. God produces fruits by allowing us to encounter situations and people with characteristics that are opposite to those fruits. That's a mouthful. Admittedly, that's a terrible slide, is what it is. Christine and I tried to workshop it. We couldn't. Here's what I mean. How does God produce love in our lives? Love is the very first fruit of the Spirit. We're going to talk about that next week. How does God produce love in our lives? See, loving lovely people, loving people that are just like us, that's easy. To teach us real love, God puts some unlovely people on our path. We learn real love by learning to love that annoying coworker or that argumentative neighbor, particularly if you live like in an HOA place. You know what I'm talking about, okay? God teaches us love by letting us practice on the unlovely. Four, how does God produce peace in our lives? Anyone can have peace in a calm situation. That does not take strength of character, okay? God teaches us peace in the midst of total chaos. When everything in your life is falling apart, that is a situation in which we can learn true inner peace. God works this way in every single fruit that he's trying to develop in your life. So, whatever circumstance you are currently going through right now, lean into it. Learn from it. Because God can and will when it comes to experiencing life change, God is a part and we are a part. So, what's practical? What do you do with a message like this? So God's plan for your life is to change you and to make you more like Jesus. Our responsibility is to say, Jesus, I'm ready to look more like you. Now, starting next week, we are going to dive deep into the individual fruits of the Spirit, the evidence of this life change happening for us. But here's what I need you to remember. Fruit takes time to ripen. There is just no such thing as, as instant maturity. There is no such thing as instant spiritual growth. Time is essential. And God is going to need time to make you into the person that you and he want you to be. Now, there's only one thing that will be, that will keep you from changing, shall we say. There's only one thing that will keep you from becoming the person that you and God want you to be, and that is procrastination. I meet a lot of people who are getting ready to change, but never do. You know, it's always, it's, you know, one of these days, right? One of these days. One of these days, I'm going I'm to work less, I'm going to spend more time with the family. One of these days, I'm going to do this. You know, soon, Soon, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start serving in church. I'm going to start giving back in the community. Soon, 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 soon. You know, I got to. I got I to gotta start eating better. I got to one of these days. Sure, 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 sure. Listen, don't put off change. Begin today, right now, in your seats, in your own heart, by telling God that you want to be a more productive, fruitful Christian, that you want to cooperate with his plan for your life. Commit to reading the Bible and studying it and meditating on it. Ask, ask, ask God to, to use his word to, to change the way that you think. 
invite the Holy Spirit to have free reign in your life. Accept your circumstances as part of God's way of changing you. Ask him to help you respond to difficult people and difficult situations just as Jesus would. God wants, desires to produce the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Will you join him in that life-changing process? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you that you love this world and every single one of us so much that you sent your son Jesus to die on our behalf. That should we recognize that we are in need of a Savior and say yes to him, we would be made right with you. And know that one day when we take our last breath, we would be in your presence. But God, I am so grateful that you didn't stop there. Lord, that you are, that you are seeking to help us in the here and the now, changing us to make us look more like your son. Lord, I want to invite you into this series. I pray that you would use the next few weeks to move powerfully in each and every single one of our lives, that you would make changes like we've never seen before transforming us into the person we wish we could always be and the person you know that we can be. Make us look different, Lord. Make us look more like you. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name.